Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Today on the show, Savag Kazansi, co-founder at Parks Project, a really cool, innovative brand whose mantra is, leave it better than you found it. But uh, even more than that, even more than just mantras, they are actually giving back quite a bit, giving back funds, supporting projects, and, and creating volunteer power, if you will, for the national parks. With every purchase you make, you're helping support projects in our national parks. But uh, every product has a story and is associated with one of the national parks. And it's just really a, a great example of business being used for something more than just profit. And Savag's story is really cool, especially based on his time spent in some really world-class brands um, from his time spent at Cal State University Long Beach, a hope to be in the in the uh, Peace Corps, heading over to O'Neill, the surf company, and then over to Volcom, the pioneering surf, skate, and snowboard company, and then off to Tom's, again, a pioneering brand associated with giving back. And Savag really was impacted by that and each of those experiences. And together with his partner, Keith, they've built a brand um, that is doing some really neat things, has a really great business model, and it's just uh, and it's an inspiring story and an inspiring topic. So hope you enjoy the journey that Savag has been on, his career path, how the business model works at Parks Project, and just some of the things they are doing for a program that is for all of us, but is in really bad need of funding and support. And they also saw an opportunity just with sort of a demographic gap that you'll learn about. So if you're a fan of entrepreneurship, building a brand, philanthropy, CSR, national parks, service, volunteer, or more, or maybe even being a DJ and transitioning that into a career, then you're going to like this episode. And by the way, you're going to want to do some shopping after you hear this. So if you do, use the code underswell 30 That'll get you 30% off uh, your one-time purchase over there at the Parks Project website. So head over there, support these guys. But beyond that, I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your time. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Underswell Podcast. News, stories, brand insights, product reviews, all to help you navigate the complexities of sustainability in your modern lifestyle. As I like to say, business can be done better, and in some cases it is. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host, and hey, it's just sustainability. Let's dive in to today's episode. Yeah, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Derek Sabori. I'm here with my guest, Savag Kazansi. Yes, sir. Give me a little mic check over there, good. Check, Hi. check. Check. Hi, all right. Hi. Savag Kazansi. The real way to say my name is Savag Kazanja, but that's like the Turkish way and Armenian way to say it. Um, And when I was a kid, I'd never pronounced it that way because it was so hard to. All my teachers would just say Savag Kazansi. Really? Yeah. And so like from the moment I was a kid, I just went with Savag Kazansi. And even my parents make fun of me. 
When, you'll call that, when, when I was a kid, you would call the house and say, Savon. She'd be like, Savon. She'd run over to me. Uh, like, so then let's say it the proper way. Let's introduce yeah. you the proper way. <laughs> it's hard. It's, <laughs> it's not, hard. It's not easy. Well, from, from how I know you, I'm yeah. here with my guest, Savog Kazanti. Savog, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Derek. You're welcome, I appreciate man. it. I'm super stoked. I'm super stoked on what you guys are doing. And I've been, um, it's been really awesome um, just watching kind of your journey from, you know, where I first met you at. Yeah. So um, let's, let's get in and dive into it. But you are just back from Yosemite, it mm-hmm. seems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were out there for about a week as a company trip. We did Yosemite, Yosemite Facelift. It's a uh, volunteer trip out in Yosemite. A bunch of brands and organizations come out, like Yosemite Climbing Association, Conservancy, and essentially do uh, volunteer work out in the park for, for a week in camp. Really? Yeah, it's beautiful. How awesome, man. What a, what a cool thing you that you guys are a part of. Um, Parks Project is the brand. You're a co-founder of that brand. We're mm-hmm. going to dive in and explore what you guys do, how you guys do it. But um, I, my, that was going to be my question. Was that personal or work? But it seems like you're doing a good job of blending personal with work these days with just the way you guys have it set up is that right yeah definitely we've been lucky enough to visit a lot of the parks that we support and that we sell gear at or that we help fund projects at and so for us that's just amazing i mean we're getting to go to places like glacier and uh you know yosemite and joshua tree and these places that you know our kind of dreams come true and actually do business there which is kind of a trip yeah um, but then also get to go on a hike so good so good how many projects and we'll get into all the details but i mean just in general how many projects so people can get an idea of it how many projects do you guys have in the pipes right now with the national parks we're in currently 32 uh, working with 32 conservancies on projects um, some are national parks majority are national parks those are the the most fun and kind of the easiest to talk about. Yeah. Um, but we also do work with state parks and local parks like you know Big Sur, Point Reyes National Monument or National Seashore, um, and and other local public lands as well. That's awesome. Tell us then. I mean, maybe in a nutshell, <clears throat> tell us about Parks Project. What do you guys? What's it all about? Cool. So, the kind of the mantra of our brand is leave it better than you found it. Um, essentially. Um, that's kind of what we like to own and the statement we really like to stand behind. But what we do as a company is um, we everything we sell helps fund a project at a national park or a state park or a local park. So any public land. Um, so whether it's Joshua Tree and funding the nursery there to help uh, repropagate uh, Joshua trees in the park, or whether it's uh, restoring trail in, in Yosemite, um, every product we sell has a specific correlation, a specific quantifiable give back to uh, a public land. And so when someone's buying a product from us, they're able to look at a hang tag or look at the story on our site and know exactly what that item is doing, um, whether it's restoring one meter of trail in Yosemite and et cetera. So we're, we're a product-based for-profit company um, with you know a huge ground groundwork of give back, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and well, we're going to get into all the details of, of how it happened, how you set it up, but I want to rewind a little bit and maybe take it back to the origin, just to kind of looking at your your personal journey too. I mean, Cal State, uh, Long Beach, heading over to O'Neill, Volcom, Tom's, you've got some great things on your resume. You share a little bit about kind of what that journey has been like, and did you study American Studies and Civilizations? Yeah. What is that? Super random. <laughs> so my journey is kind of, I guess, very random. Um I was at Long Beach State. I thought I was going to join the Peace Corps and, ah. and move to, uh, you know, some exotic place. Um, and then I and at the same time, I wanted to apply for my master's. Um, while I was doing that, um, I was lucky enough to meet 
um, one of the sales managers at O'Neill while I was DJing, which I know we'll kind of t- touch on as yeah, well, which yeah. how you and I kind of met. But um, and so we, you know, I was at O'Neill or I was at um, Long Beach State, just graduated, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to get in the Peace Corps. I wanted to figure some things out. Met this lady who was really awesome. She worked at O'Neill and she was like, hey, we're looking for people to do customer service. Um, if you want to you know, send in your application, feel free. So I did. It was a very entry-level sales support coordinator type of role. Um, I did it while still trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. I was just kind of in this hiatus, so I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had a they had bought out Lost at that time, and then Rusty, I believe, right after, and then Metal Militia, and it became La Jolla Group, which we all know and love today. Yeah. Um, and it was just amazing. I mean, I got into work, and there was a half pipe there, and people were going surfing at lunch, and I was just like, You're, "What? I like, think I found a home." Yeah, I was like, <laughs> maybe going back to school, I don't need to right now. So. <laughs> It took some time to just kind of be in the surf skate world, which I grew up in. I grew up in Southern California. Okay. Um, so I thought it was super fun. And then from there, wanted to get into something a little more creative. Um, so started taking some Photoshop Illustrator classes and learning about catalog design and, and CAD design and a bunch of different things that I really loved. Got a job doing catalog design at O'Neill. Um, from there, kind of jumped to Volcom. Um, which again went back into more of like a sales support role. Yeah. Um, I was doing majors and uh, like the CCSs and, and the buckles of the world. Okay. Um, and, and kind of managing that account as a sales support associate. Um, and then from there, went to Tom's. Um, my journey to Tom's is probably a longer story. I could kind of break that down forever. But is, is that a whole separate podcast? Yeah. I mean, it was just, I was at a crossroads. I didn't even know what Tom's was at the time. And Volcom was this you know, amazing skate company that had a, and had a key to the skate park. And I was like, this is the life. I can't leave this. And, um, Tom's was this thing that I kept thinking about, like in the back of my head, you know, I wanted to join the Peace Corps. Yeah. And that whole story kind of came back around in my head while I was working there at Volcom. I saw this brand doing good things and tying that into business. And it was really inspirational. Um, Ah. very early on too, when nobody, you know, there's so many give back brands now. And yeah. I could honestly say Tom's was probably one of the first ones. Definitely, yeah. They were trailblazer for sure. To have that at their yeah. core. So anyways, got into Tom's. Um, was it, was the, what year was that? And how big was the brand? How big was Tom's in at that at point? At that time, it was 2010. No, 2000. Yeah, 2010 when I started there. Um, and at that time, there was 50, 60 people. Wow. Um, I was probably the 55th employee or something like that. Yeah. On the parking passes, I believe at the time, they gave you the number of employee you were. Oh, so that's I was like 50 cool. something or whatever. Um, when I left, to give you perspective, there was over, I think, 500 people. Wow. So <laughs> that growth Jeez. is pretty insane. And, I, and we were lucky enough to kind of be there. Keith and I, who helped co found, um, we both co founded Parks Project. We, you know, we wanted to do something good, so we left the a brand that was rooted in doing good as a business. So we left, you know, the action sports industry and kind of went into more of a, um, you know, philanthropic kind of brand. Um, saw that company just go mega <laughs> and very quickly, and it was amazing to how, see. Yeah, how long were you there? So I was there for about four years, a little over four years. So you, um, you, saw, the, you saw a lot then. I mean, saw that growth and experienced all of it, yeah? Totally, and also just saw a company that had some really amazing um, just belief systems that they kind of stood behind from sending out employees to giving trips, which yeah. is something every employee got to do. Yep. They got to go to like a developing nation and actually give shoes to kids who are you know, receiving them for that, for the purpose of what our brand is doing. And seeing that firsthand was kind of 
eye-opening, you know, it really made me realize, gosh, you can start a really successful business and also just do really good in the world at the same time. Um, obviously there's a lot of things there with Tom's that there's a learning process for them, you know, figuring out to how to find the right giving partners and what shoes to make and sustainability. There's so many things that come into that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a ripple effect with any, you know, successful business, but did you get to go on a, um, on a, on a, on a drop? I did. I got to go on two. Um, I went to Honduras to San Pedro Sula, which was, I think it's one of the most violent places in Central America uh, and highest kidnap rates, I believe. Oh man. Um, and so got to go see some, some real, you know, uh, another side of the world that I probably wouldn't have ever seen. Um, and actually give shoes to kids who truly, truly needed them. Um, so that was really amazing. Um, then we got to go to Peru, and that was through, I believe, Operation Blessing, which is a great nonprofit. And then um, went to Peru and did, a, did one there, which is more of like an urban community, less of like a jungle, for lack of words, and less um, rural is more of an urban community. And uh, that was a cool experience as well. So really cool um, seeing that and so being if, part of it. If you look back on all these things, I mean, gosh, just – I feel like we're probably just touching the iceberg on on that experience and all of those. But I mean, when you sum up all of those experiences, and even you know, flashing back, like you said, you were a DJ, and I think you, do you still do DJ stuff. Or I you do. still got on your I, tables. I, I kind of just do it for fun now. Yeah. I'm DJing a, my friend's ice cream shop opening out in Palm Springs. Awesome. Um, I don't. Nothing's really paid. I kind of just do it for fun. For fun. Yeah. Like, a passion project. <laughs> totally. But I mean that you know it's uh oh, what's funny is our last guest too was a uh, was a DJ as well so it seems to be a running theme yeah but um I mean combine all those things together though what what did you take away what did you learn from those years with all those I mean those are those are really well known good brands that all mm-hmm. did unique things in their own right um you know what did that what did that teach you what did you take away from that you think most um I think what it taught me personally I guess what I could say personally and then from like a business standpoint um personally it taught me that. If I don't care about something, it's really hard for me to 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 stand behind it and and be passionate and put my work into it every day. Yeah. Um, I needed a brand or a company to always drive me and and push me. And so Volcom did that, and O'Neill did that with you know getting me out and skating and getting me into like just back into these roots that I loved. And Tom's did that from a place of getting me more thinking from a nonprofit and looking at the globe as as how I'm how I'm affecting it. So I learned. I think I took a lot from those different companies and what they were doing and kind of molded them together in my own way. Mm. And, and Keith and I, it's funny, Keith comes from Quicksilver. Um, and then he went to Tom's. Oh, you're kidding. So yeah, we both have this very similar, like action sports. He's from Northern California. I'm from Southern California. Um, you know, he's an incredible surfer and it's just like we both had this roots of, um, action sports and getting outside and just loving the earth and wanting to be outside. Um, but then also wanting to do good at Tom's. And I think you put those two together and that's kind of what our company has become in my opinion. We're like this mold between for lack of like other descriptions, like a Patagonia Tom's hybrid with, you know, and, and you could throw in like other couple other philanthropic brands or outdoorsy brands. But, um, yeah, we like to see ourselves as a hybrid of these few companies. Yeah, it feels yeah. that way. Did you and Keith, I mean, it sounds like you guys are really complimentary of each other. Did you guys know each other before you worked at Tom's, or is that where you guys met? No, that's where we met. Um, we we met there about year one. I think he started before I did. Okay. Um, and right when I started there, we he was one of the other guys that skated. And so him and I would go skate at lunch. Um, he's very into camping, just like me. We'd go on hikes together and go 
go camp and just do kind of like outdoorsy surf skate kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then through that started getting into trail work and that's kind of where the, the roots of the company really, really began. But yeah, we met at Tom's and it's a fun journey from did, there. And did you guys ever, <laughs> I mean, when you first met him, did, was there, I don't know, I guess where am I going with this? But just like, did you ever know how long before you guys started to talk about this idea of doing something on your own and mm-hmm. you know, how did it, how did it develop? Well, we, it was kind of a back of a napkin idea. We both would always talk about, well, well, it, it kind of the, the origins start with the trail days. So one of the things Tom's did was it allowed um, the employees to go do community service. And if you did community service, you could get like paid time off for a lot of hours you did. So okay. it's kind of incentive to get people out yep. and, and do community work. Um, we went and joined the Santa Monica Trail Council, which is essentially like a group of people who when they have free time, go and help maintain the trails in Santa Monica. Yeah. Awesome group of people. So we're, we're working, we're doing these trail days and we're seeing kind of two things while we're doing the trail work. One, the average demographic of people coming to these spaces and kind of hiking was very young, but the people doing conservation work Mm. and actual like stewardship projects, like trail work, those much more like Sierra Club members who people who have been Sierra Club members for a very long time. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Just kind of, I mean, people that, they're inspiring but it's also like well there's a disconnect there right yeah big gap and then also we would go to parks and see product and and kind of just sit there and be like why is this stuff so bad it's all kind of like we joked and called it landfill gear it's just stuff you you buy it in this beautiful space and then you kind of throw it away eventually and it just doesn't really serve the purpose of what you know that space should be doing sure um so we're at tom's we're writing these ideas out and just talking about how we should honestly start a non-profit that engages the next generation of um, park stewards from a volunteer perspective. So we didn't think of it as a for-profit at first. We purely thought of it as a another nonprofit that could help get people doing trail work. Interesting. Um, really focusing on that volunteer aspect, totally. especially when you're there with with Tom's, and that's what you guys were doing is going out and volunteering. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's and that's the other the thing, that kind of interesting stat and. and you can quote me on this I might be a couple percentages off but I think it's somewhere like 75% of the work done in public lands is done by volunteers Um, the park staff the rangers and the people that work in these spaces they have a lot to do (laughs) from maintaining traffic to maintaining you know all the issues that a park can deal with um, staff and, and, and and they're so limited with their resources so you know, there's a lot of work being done by local organizations, nonprofits, um, other uh, c- communities, brands like REI and Patagonia, a lot of great outdoor companies. So a lot of this work is being done by by these people. And so we were there and we're like, well, what's going to happen later in life when these people who are kind of doing the work right now aren't aren't there and the next generation needs to kind of get engaged with it? So that's where the idea of parks project started uh, it was kind of a nonprofit to engage the next generation yeah but just like any good entrepreneur you saw a hole and you guys went in and tried to fill it though <laughs> yeah. right yeah What's, yeah what is i mean in general so you know why is paint a picture of the national parks these days why maybe why why are staff so small and so spread thin and What's going on with funding and any threats out that, that we should know about? Yeah. So, I mean, in the national park space and in any public land space, national parks, I'll say, are um, a bit better off sometimes than others. Um, but the public land space as a whole is, is really lacking funding, um, whether you look at it from an administration standpoint um, or, you know, a, a donation standpoint, the, the funding that's happening in national parks and public lands in general has been, has been pretty poor. And 
the resources to actually fix the issues that are happening aren't there. Um, one fact that's kind of remarkable is the current backlog for public service lands. Um, and, and that means the amount of money public service needs, public the National Park Service needs to fix all the projects they're currently working on mm-hmm. is $12 billion. Oh, man. So, I mean, that money is not going to be a check from our government anytime soon. Right. So what we realize is for-profit companies need to step in at some point and kind of help here. Yeah. Um, and also engage people to, to vote for the right people to kind of help bring that backlog down. So is that $12 um, billion or so? Is that um, kind of a deficit? Um, correct. That, yeah. So they see it as a, as a budget deficit at yeah. this point. Are they moving forward though on those? Or those are just projects that are stalled then until they can get those funds? Correct. Wow. Yeah. Or they're looking elsewhere. They're trying to get to do galas. They're doing fundraisers. Um, they run gift shops. That they, they run, they get funding from. So there's a lot of avenues they have, but right now the backlog is so bad. And, and the, Department of Interior and the public in the public service space is definitely not a priority in this administration at yeah. all. So um, it's tough. I mean, it's really really tough. You had the last administration where Obama was like giving speeches in Yosemite, and and, and uh, so you have there's definitely a, a change of pace here. But one of the things we've seen that's kind of a bright side of this is you see much more engagement um, from a nonprofit standpoint when you're in an administration that isn't helping public land. Well, because then you, you feel like, hey, we need to get in there and, so, and do totally. some defense. So you talk about organizations like Sierra Club and other nonprofits, they're seeing a real increase in, in um, donations and in members. And um, it's so it's this weird middle ground because you want these organizations to flourish, but the, and they tend to flourish more under like a Republican administration, you know? So it's this weird battle you know yeah. <laughs> but does that mean that your guys's timing couldn't have been better with the launch of your brand to be honest it, in some way it's it has i mean in, in some way it's helped our brand yeah. which is a weird thing because right. you're like i don't i don't want you know bears Ears national monument to be taken away that's ridiculous you know it's a beautiful place yeah um that should be protected um but at the same time you're like people are getting much more engaged than they've ever have so it's a really weird weird um space but i mean at the end of the day What's important to us is that these spaces are protected, and, and that's all that matters. You know, whether yeah. it's a, a Republican or liberal or Democratic administration, it's as long as these spaces are being protected and people are being engaged to protect them. Um, and then, secondary, people are understanding how to leave no trace or leave it better than they found it. Because yeah. when you have Yosemite getting something like six million visitors a summer, you know, that's in three months, four months, you know, like the traffic that goes through a place like that it's really hard really really hard to you know protect that space yeah and what makes i mean most people i would think know but not everybody does you know what the national parks are amazing and we've kind of made it you know part of our family mission is to get out there go see them take the kids to them and once you're there and in one of those national parks you immediately just you understand why they are so important Mm -hmm. but i mean from your perspective what have you guys come to find out what for people that are sort of like yeah i've heard of national parks i don't know what's what's the big deal <laughs> what's the big deal about them well we've come to find a couple things one um there's a, a serious um th- there's a lot to be learned from like a public engagement standpoint um from how to protect these places so staying on trail um sometimes people you know it, 
you can see people kind of go off trail or um, see people putting up hammocks where they shouldn't or mm. kind of uh, things that can be invasive. So I do I do urge people to kind of go to visitor centers and learn as much as they can before they get into to a, uh, to a public land. Um, another thing we've kind of found is that a lot of the people in this space that are doing these this work are really, really spread thin. So if you go to um, a place like Santa Monica Mountains and you meet the park rangers there, um, they're spending their time driving volunteers around people who are like masters and PhDs in biology and should be studying like the plant life. Yeah. are spending time driving volunteers around and getting them lunch because there's such a lack of um, resources. So that's one of the biggest things we've seen. We've met people who you're like, oh my gosh, like you spent all day just in a van driving around volunteers when there's major, major non-native plant removal that needs to happen, when there's you know, learning about native plants that are going down and what and how to kind of propagate those. And yeah. there's so much. So the other thing I've found is that in, in some places like Joshua Tree and, and Muir Woods, um, we really think they're flourishing areas, but there's this back-end nonprofit um, that's really helping keep that place alive, um, whether it's running nurseries that, that grow the trees to go plant them again kind of thing. So um, there's so much going on behind the scenes at yeah. the end of the day, which has kind of been... A real eye-opener for us. I bet. So how does your, give us an idea then of how, you know, kind of shifting gears here back to the to the business side of things. How does your, how does your business model work? How does it, how does it work so that you guys are able to support these, these projects? And are you in partnership specifically with, with these national parks? Is that right? Mm-hmm. So the, the very short version of it is when we launched, we found out that there is a, you need a, you need a license or a partnership with the park foundation in order to sell national park gear. Okay. Right. Some of those people that have that at the moment are like REI, um, uh, Nature Valley, I believe, does. There's, there's some, they're big, big companies, typically multi-million dollar deals. Okay. We launched our company without that. Um, we, so we, we wanted to make cool National Park gear. We started selling that gear to various retailers. First retailer we ever got into was Proof Lab up in Northern California, okay. awesome surf shop. And so it, we took the profits. This is prior to having a full-on LLC in a company. Sort of like ask for forgiveness later. Yeah, right? and yeah. sent all the profit, the check to uh, the Park Foundation okay. and said, here's all the, the check. profits. Yeah, so whatever wow. profits we had left over from the sale of those T-shirts. Yep. At this time, we weren't really thinking about a company. We were like, how can we continue to get people engaged and do volunteer sure. work? So we were just like selling some T-shirts, cutting those whatever checks we get back from the retailers to the Park Service and saying, hey, we sold these cool shirts. And here's some money for it. And they they kind of, it was funny. They would just reach out and say, hey, you know, you can't do this. But, like, <laughs> but thank you. We're cutting, you know, we're going to cash the check and we appreciate it. However. However, you can't do this. So we, we kept doing it. And then after about. So punk rock. I know, right? It's <laughs> the, the, the punk rock of National Park. Of philanthropy. So funny. So, we're, so we kept doing it and we kept sending checks. And. Eventually, a couple of staff members there who kind of saw what we were doing and actually saw our products. We had gotten into Urban Outfitters at that point. Mm. We had gotten online Urban Outfitters. So then your product was good. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, we see what you're doing. You're kind of, you're getting that next generation. You're, 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 you know, you're connecting the national parks to a younger generation and a more fashionable generation. You're doing it differently. Yeah. And so year two, I believe it was, they came around with the partnership and license. So we are, to answer your question in a long version, uh, a partner of the National Park Foundation. Uh, we have an agreement where we are allowed to sell 
you know, public land products, essentially. Is it a multi-million dollar agreement like the others? No, it not is a, not, not at all. Um, <laughs> we, we, there's a kind of a funny caveat with it. So one of the things we do, and this is totally back end, that has n- almost nothing to do with the public side of our company. We are a partner of theirs from a business standpoint as well. So if you go to mm. the Find Your Park campaign, yeah. um, which is the national park campaign to kind of get people out and find their local park, um, we manage their e-commerce so if you ah. go to the findyourpark.com site, click on shop, it's actually a site that we manage, we help design, we distribute, that kind of stuff. So it became kind of a business partnership. They saw what we were doing and we're like, hey, can you help us with this? We were like, yeah, can we get a partnership deal? And it was kind of this, um, you know, they, they rub our back, we rub your back, and, yeah, it, and it yeah. worked out. And, it, and it's really great. So um, we help them with a lot of their products as well. Um, so... It's kind of rare. Typically, you have like a Coleman or a massive company come in, write a big check, and go, hey, we're partners. We kind of did it in a weirder, you know, grassroots way. Yeah, yeah, which I, which I, I, I'm digging. I like that. For us, it's perfect. Like, well, it's really, we know we did it authentically. Yeah, you did it authentically. You did it really in an entrepreneurial way. Mm -hmm. How, I mean, you, I knew, I know from the beginning, you know, with, with the Peace Corps, Peace Corps, um, Hope, and, and such, and working with the brands, working at Tom's, but, how about the idea of being an entrepreneur? Did you always have a hope or a, did you think you would be an entrepreneur or did that just kind of spring up on you? You know, it's funny. Like I, my whole life I've had a million ideas. I've, and I still do. I have this Excel doc that's called like Savag's million ideas or something like that. Yeah. Everything from like, I'll throw out the ones that I've told people about, sure. uh, the microphone shower head to like, I don't know, stupid, like, uh, potty pirates or the like, um, potty training. <laughs> <laughs> capsules you throw in a toilet for kids to potty train oh i love it like just potty these party. really stupid ideas even when i was at volcom i'd always throw out like man it'd be great if someone did this someone did this i and mean most of those ideas down. aren't like what i'm doing now clearly they're more yeah. just like a product um but i think i did always have this sense of like i i i know what i want and i know what and not to sound like um, cocky or anything, but I know like should be done. Even when I was yeah. at Volcom, like I'd sit there and, and, and whether a decision happened that I disagreed with, I'd be like, that's not the right thing. I know this is like in the back of my head, I kept feeling like I knew what was the right thing and it's probably wrong, but I, there was something there that was driving me to kind of take and create something, you know? And so when I was at Tom's, yeah, I saw, I saw a small company do so much yeah. and grow so quickly that, um, it did give me some hope. I was like, whoa, I can do this. So yeah, from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial standpoint, I wasn't, it wasn't in my roots, but um, now I'm like driven by it. I'm constantly like, I'm like reading about it and I'm constantly thinking about how I can be the most productive in my yeah, day. Yeah. And, well, maybe it was in your roots. Sounds like maybe it was kind of buried in there a little bit. And I think yeah. even going back to what you just said, there, there, there is that confidence that comes with, I don't know, like maturity as we develop when we get older too. I think your confidence kicks in. You're like, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe all along I I did know. Yeah, you know, you were saying, and it probably was right. You yeah, know, totally. Yeah, but I think it's hard to kind of come to terms with like, you know what? I I know what I'm doing. I know what I want, and I know what's going to work. And sure, sometimes, but you have to have confidence to go move forward. And if you fail, you fail, and then we learn, and then we and then we move on, right? Yeah, and we've failed a bunch of times. I mean, <laughs> for sure. I, I've read that, and I don't know if it's you or, or Keith or both of you, but I mean, even saying that idea of just um, you know, fail, fail fast. <laughs> don't give up ever keep going persist yeah, and do it again right totally and and don't like get caught up in the little things you know sometimes you just drive yourself nuts you're like this one little thing has to be perfect and at the end of the day you're like 
does this matter over, you know, the big scheme of things of what we're trying to do as a company? You yeah, know? has that, I mean, especially being design-minded and product-driven, does that ever hold you up? Or are you sort of like, hey, you know what? Just keep moving forward because we've got a bigger fish to fry here, if you will, and we'll, <laughs> we'll figure out the details of because you can't have everything perfect all the time. For sure, and, and once you get other cooks in the kitchen and you have a staff, you can't, you can't control everything. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you have to let things go and figure out where you excel mm-hmm. and where other people excel. And yeah, I love being creative. I love making things. But when I'm, when you put me up against a graphic designer, I mean, they're going to kill me every time. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm not. So let them. Like, yeah. So, you know, pick your battles. And, yeah. and for me, it's more about, you know, on our end, I, I do a lot of the operations. I do a lot of our um, like major sales and things that I have a lot more confidence in in myself. So um, and those are things that I learned in my history and maybe just watching at Volcom sales meetings and just kind of sure. seeing how other people do it, learn and grow. Yeah. yeah. So relying on your strengths. Yeah. How about, um, I mean, just from the looks of your website and kind of seeing the charts, it looks like you guys are making some really good project. I mean, progress, I'm sorry. And I've mm-hmm. seen even the amount of projects that you guys are doing continues to grow. The numbers on your site, really nice. And I think it's really helpful and informative. Um, and I can imagine it's been a lot of work to make those numbers a reality and even manage those numbers. Is there a big team that you guys have doing that? What is that? What does your business model require that might be different than the average company? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do require a little bit more product and operations because we are making a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we do this. You can companies our size can make, you know, half the products and, and, and do and equal amount i think it's just we are trying to cover with the national parks and with public lands you're trying to cover so many places that means so much to so many people it's like a concert shirt where sure you haven't been to the concert you don't want to buy the shirt you know so if you haven't been to that park you're probably not going to rock the tee so we do want to cover a lot of spaces. So. so you almost need a full collection for each park that you're yeah, representing I mean, in a way. Yeah, huh? if you want to. And, and at least by region, you know, you got to cover your regions. We get a lot, like, at, at first, because we're California-based, all of our parks were like Joshua Tree, Yosemite, you know, uh, Big Sur, like all these parks. That, and then everyone on the East Coast would be like, hey, uh, we have parks over here too. And so that was kind of a challenge for us <laughs> yeah. to figure out how to make as much yeah. stuff. Oh, wait, there's more than just California? <laughs> yeah, totally, right? From the California mindset sometimes. So at the end of the day, we make uh, a ton of stuff. And so to do that, you need about, uh, we have four, I'd say four people on the product operations side. Um, so that would be a sales ops person. Um, <clears throat> we have a product manager, a production manager, um, and then product design development person, um, and then me, who's kind of overseeing that side. And then on the on the other side, we have an e-commerce and kind of more of a digital marketing team. So it's funny we sit at two separate kind of tables in the office, and it is split up that way. So you could almost say like wholesale operations and then digital e-commerce marketing kind okay. of thing. Or that's our company split up. Um, we have a total of ten staff. Um, that includes Keith and I. Okay. Um, so not not a big staff, but we moved into an office in Marina del Rey about a year ago, and we've kind of outgrown that space, um, awesome. which is great. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, there's a it's, there's a lot of potential here, and I think you guys have a lot of opportunity, and it, uh, it seems like you guys are doing it right. You know. Yeah. How about this infographic though? Who does all the data collection and converting all these numbers and quantifying your your impact? So we are um, really really fortunate to have a former park ranger who works. At as also um, uh, our customer service <laughs> and giving communications uh, coordinators. So what that means is he is in charge of working with um, all the conservancies we work with, which is incredible because he's a 
former Park Service guy and mm-hmm. knows that space really well. Um, and then he also does our customer service. So when you get an email from our customer service, it's signed by Ranger Joe. That's which is amazing. Legit. Truly, <laughs> truly <Ranger> legit. <laughs> uh, which is pretty amazing. <clears throat> um, so all of that communication is managed by him. Okay. And what he's lucky enough to do and what that role essentially does for us is um, he is the, the eyes and ears of the person who, who gets all the quantifiable data from the conservancy. One of the things we could have done as a company is just say, you know, 5% of all proceeds go to this thing. Sure. And I think we wanted to really avoid that. Like, we do post those percentages because, you know, we, we want to be very transparent. But at the end of the day, we really wanted people to connect to the product and the project more so than that percentage because that's how they're really going to make impact in that space. If they know that in Joshua Tree, the number one issue is graffiti, then, hey, sometimes as they see someone doing graffiti, they're going to report it or they're going to, you know, and, and if they understand these things, they're going to engage with that conservation more so than, you know, uh, a dollar figure a percentage does or whatever. And I think but. that is kind of the issue too sometimes with philanthropy in general. When people, when companies want to give or brands want to give, you get stuck because it's hard to tell that story. But mm-hmm. what you're doing, what you're saying though is zeroing in on really specific projects that are relevant to that area. And I think in general with philanthropy, if you can give back to the community specifically that you're working in or doing business or where your products are at aligning with, just tells a more meaningful story but 100%. you guys are i mean look i'm looking at your your site here you're providing junior ranger badges um removing invasive species restoring acreage um so so on and so forth years of mulch supplying mulch <laughs> native species planted i mean all sorts of We're things a big right mulch supplier yeah <laughs> well, essentially the- <laughs> what we do is we provide mulch but one of the things <laughs> the other things we do not to like keep going on the, the giving side, but um, because we started as a volunteer-based company, uh-huh. um, we ask our retailers to join us in volunteer work in their local communities. So Seed People, who's you know five minutes away from here, yep. is a great example. Um, we started selling into that store, and it was going great, and we reached out to them and said, hey, you guys want to get your staff out to Laguna Canyon and do some volunteer work? They were like, are you kidding? Yeah, of course. Like everyone hopped on it. Who um, says no to that? Yeah. Sivog, you're such a professional. You just you just didn't you you made my transition here. That was my very question. It's like <laughs> nice. how do you cause I know that you're not just taking funds, but you're raising volunteers and shovels. You're mm-hmm, getting people mm-hmm. out there, but you just answered the question. Yeah. So are, are a lot of retail partners willing to to join in and are you getting volunteers just through your customer base as well? Where where do you get your volunteers and what kind of numbers do you guys see for you know people who are willing to come volunteer with you guys? Yeah, it's a great question. So volunteering, it turns into a whole kind of separate, almost like event coordinating type of space. And, and it is it is a challenge to do massive um, volunteer days, um, mainly from an effective standpoint. When you get more than, I'd say, 15 to 20 people out to a volunteer day, um, unless you have multiple people as supervisors kind of helping the specific projects they're working on, yeah. it can kind of turn into a mess of people with tools and pickaxes. And Wondering what to do. Yeah, and <laughs> it's not really a good scenario. So we like to keep them to about 10 to 15 because okay. they're really effective. You can kind of go out on a trail and really kind of hammer through that trail with 10 to 15 people. Um, not to say that when we do ones with Sierra Club, they're much bigger, but they do have you know a few supervisors so you can break up into groups. Um, but we get about 10 to 15 people at every volunteer day we do. Um, we ask all of our retailers to join us at some point and coordinate a volunteer day with us. So what that means is, you know, they have a community around them, whether it's the employees and family friends that own the place or whatever it is. Um, and they can get people out. You know, they know those people. So when we reach out to see people, they can do an email based to their customers and go, hey, first 15 people to show up, join us on this volunteer day. 
And so it's a really fun way to engage the retailer and to engage our customers. Um, we do both. So we do uh, volunteer days with our retailers. We try to limit that to just the retailer community so they can kind of get their friends and family. And then we do ones that are public as well. So if we find out about you know an awesome uh, volunteer day going out uh, on an Olympic or something, we'll post it to our community, do an email blast, and try and get as many people out as possible. Um, you have a little bit of a drop rate of people who sign up versus people who show up. Oh, really? Um, for sure. So there's yeah. like a lot to juggle. There's good intention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to juggle, but we, we do... Um, we do about a volunteer day every month. That's kind of the goal. But I mean, that's got to be, that's a challenge though, incorporating that into your business model because I can also imagine that now you guys are at the point with multiple employees and all this product and your e-commerce and retail, like just running the business mm-hmm. is enough, mm-hmm. let alone now we'll just go take a few days out to go travel to the national park and be outdoors <laughs> and on the trail and doing shovel work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at about look at it from a traditional standpoint, there's there's retail marketing, you know, in the traditional like wholesale space. Sure. You have people going out and doing events. Doing events and doing retail marketing. And for us it was like instead of setting up a booth in front of your store and just giving out stickers. That's good perspective. You know, like why don't we send that person to take your staff out and go on a hike? So because they're gonna post about that. They're gonna tell their friends about how incredible incredible experience was and how much they love volunteering and you know, like, oh, I, I swung a pickaxe today. Like, it's it's a really cool experience. Well, what you guys people. are doing is really the epitome of the message that we're that I'm trying to promote here is that business can be used for for good mm-hmm. and for something better. You know, and business doesn't always have to be associated with the with the bad guy side of things. You know, <laughs> it's like you guys are the good guys. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, how about um, you know, kind of moving on to people who are really championing the park. I love on your site too. You're you're highlighting these park champions. Some really <laughs> neat stories and bios of people who are park rangers mm-hmm. and just really committed to the to the national parks, right? Yeah. Um, so through some of the travels we have in in national parks, we're lucky enough to meet these people who just, like you said, have incredible stories and are just like legendary people and. You meet them and you're like, your story, everyone needs to know your story. Yeah. This is so cool. Like, um, I met a lady up in Glacier who stays through the winter. So some of the some of the visitor centers and, and, and um, lodges and stuff in Glacier, they get totally snowed out and sure. people snowshoot out there. And they actually, like, some of them will vandalize some of the spaces huh. or go sleep in the visitor centers or whatever and leave their stuff. So years ago, some lady on Glacier decided that worked for the nonprofit, decided she wanted to snowshoe out. And kind of hunker down in these visitor centers and protect them and like protect them. Oh my gosh! Like I think she rolled out there with a the shotgun and stuff, and was just like <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, and and we were hearing these stories, and you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like these people just did this. Like they they get paid, you know, nonprofit salary, and they're you know, and they're they get two three months off, and they're snowshoeing out there and protecting these they're places. Just so passionate, but like and, you said, they're legends. Yeah, yeah, you're like these. I mean, these people. First of all give them a raise second yeah, of all yeah if we you know give donate some money to the organization second of all like how can we um you know elevate their story you know they're telling they're doing incredible things the yosemite story is one of my favorites um uh, the ranger jessica she was able to go from um just a really interesting upbringing to that's not national park related she said she hadn't even been to a national yeah. park let alone spent much time outdoors right yeah and she was able to get out there and, and now runs one of the youth programs out there that yeah, she's able really to ins- really inspiring inspire the same story yeah. you guys did a good job of, of telling those stories highlighting cool. them um 
And I love, I mean, it's in a sense, I like how you said you guys are stewards of parks and outfitters of awesome gear. <laughs> um, are you finding acceptance at traditional retail shops too? Or is it, you know, surf shops, skate mm-hmm. shops? I mean, apparently you said out, you know, um, urban outfitters. So yeah, yeah. I guess we the answer are, is yes. Um, HSS, um, Hobie, some of, the, some of the, the local skate shops, surf shops that we know really well have, have picked up our stuff and seen some success. Um, we do have a lot of products that kind of just speak to like leave it better than you found it or nurture nature that can kind of coincide with a lot of different channels. Doesn't okay. have to be you know public space. So we have um, we've seen some growth in the um, yoga market. So mm. uh, we do a lot of great product with Earth Trek, which is a great um, chain of um, climbing and, and yoga and indoor fitness type gyms. Um, so that's a really great space for us as well. Okay. Our, our products are a little bit more hike friendly. They're like women's tanks and women's sleeveless tanks that are really fun to hike in, um, comfortable. So, <clears throat> yeah, we've, we've seen whether it's the indoor fitness space um, or more of kind of the, the traditional action sports space, we've definitely seen some success. REI is probably the biggest opportunity we've had in the last year. We launched with them this year, and that's been um, amazing. Really? They've, they've been great to work with, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Um and I love to, and I think you guys have said it, but I love how you guys are just reminding us too that how great it is that we have these parks, that the people own these parks, right? So, I mean, you guys are reminding everybody to get out there and take ownership and, and take some responsibility for these beautiful places that we own. Absolutely. We're one of the few countries, um, I believe, in the, in the world that actually owns their own public lands where the yeah. people own their public lands rather than the government or yeah. the, or the, <laughs> totally. the royal families or such for sure does your customer in those regular shops that you were just talking about um do you think they do you think they get the parks project uh, message fully or is it sometimes it's just because it's a cool product and it's got a fun saying on it i think i think there's a few layers to it yeah. um and i think it depends on who the consumer is i think some people look at give back companies i think everyone knows we do good <laughs> like yeah. at least that underlining like these guys do good they do yeah. something Got good. that out of the way that's yeah that message is out there <laughs> so i think that's kind of like the first layer that a lot of people see and our products say that everywhere whether it's the hang tag or inside neck explains our give back so um i do think everyone has an understanding that our product is good i think how it does good um, is probably where you get that second layer of customer who's really engaged and yeah really cares about it but yeah we do um, you know, we ask our retailers and even online, obviously, we, we really push our give back story. And a lot of people, you know, they find that if they put our shirt in a section, it does okay. And then when they may put our shirt in like a candle and a hat on a table, and then they put our sign behind it, they just kill it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it goes to show that at the end of the day, we're not really selling a product. We're kind of selling a story and a, and a mission at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's As more it about... be always. Right. Brand, yeah. Right. <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, our, our, we, we sometimes say like our product is a vehicle to tell the story of these conservancies. Yeah. Um, we still make awesome product. It's very, you know, quality Yeah, it looks, it looks great. Yeah. Is the Parks Project way harder? Um, can, it, can this model be for everybody? You know, is it something that you can say, you know what, everybody, you guys can do business this way and give back to something? Um, I guess if you, you know, if you're into licensing and you want to go you have a big fat check to cut to, to some organization like NCAA or something. And yeah. that it, that's, and you want to go that route. It is. Um, but I do think it's, it's really hard because we found that out later um, that we went about it in probably, you know, the, some of the toughest way you could have, it was really a grind. You know? mm. <laughs> we're, we're hustling to get into retailers and hustling to also be an actual partner of the park foundation. So you have like two battles to fight at the same time. And, um, 
And so, yeah, I think the way we went about it was definitely the most grueling way. But if, again, what I was kind of saying earlier, I think it's kept me motivated and, and made me that much more excited about our company because I know we did it in the most authentic way where it's yeah. like, okay, I can sleep at night and I can get just as excited in the morning because, you know, we're doing this right. You know, um, there's we've seen some other big companies um, – I don't want to say anybody, but I, we've seen some other You're companies. Name for now. Yeah, we come in and kind of just, you know, purchase the license, launch a collection that looks very similar to ours, um, and just dabble in, you know, and, and dabble out. And we're like, all right, you know, everyone's yeah. going to always do that, but. They'll come and go, but you guys are in it. You yeah, guys are in it for the long run. You're committed. <laughs> sure. Is your business model. Totally. So cool. Um, are you guys able to find balance so that you guys. Don't get stuck in the desk uh, in the office job. Because I'm sure when you started this, this was like, hey, let's be outdoors, do something different, and not mm-hmm. get stuck behind our desks. Um, to be honest, we we weren't really th- we were thinking about the passion side of it, but we we haven't gotten a chance to do that until about the last like four or six months. Like first two three years of this business was so, I mean, just you know how it is. It's a grind, Grueling, you know, yeah. and you're just hustling, and so. We, you know, those first few years, we got to go to those places, but it would be like in and out, you know, we'd swing by, we'd say hello, and we'd try to do what we can there and then kind of make our way to the next place. And just in the last like four to six months where we've started making sizable donations and sizable partnerships with some of these conservancies, have we been able to kind of go, hey, let's go there and you know, spend a week there and actually like sit and see the place and see what the, you know. What are the main features that we should be talking about from a brand? What should be? What are the projects, and how can we learn more about them? Um, and how can we tell those stories to our customers? So, it's it's starting to happen now. I didn't have any gray hair when I started the business. When yeah, Keith and I started the business, a little bit in the beard. It's yeah, good. it's there's a serious <laughs> sprinkle now. Um, well, and I think yeah. even you know you 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 saw it working in surf brands or surf and skate brands. I mean that's. That's the challenge is still getting out there and being a surfer, being a skater so that you mm-hmm. can stay in the mix. It's really easy to get sucked into the operations and you're just like, totally. haven't surfed for weeks or months, you know, I miss every swell because I'm working. You're like, but that was the whole point of coming yeah. to, you know, so totally. finding balance is really important. For sure. Um, I mean, what you guys are doing, Savag, is so inspiring. You guys have done a great job. What are you guys, what are you guys most proud of so far, would you say? Any one particular thing or one or two particular things? Hmm, I'd say the two things I, there's a couple things i'm the most proud of a i mean i'm the most proud of the team we've created we've created a staff of people where we've really hired on passion versus like purely experience um which was really hard for us to do because you meet people who know so much and you're like wow that person would just kill it um but but they're but the passion wasn't maybe there and then we met other people who were just like i don't know as much but i'll figure it out you mm-hmm. tell me what to figure out and i'll figure it out and that's kind of for us was a, a huge learning lesson and so i'm so proud of the team we've created we've created a group nice. of people who just like love what they do own their space um i think the second thing i'm the most proud of for us is we landed a collaboration with national geographic for spring of 2019 wow nice congratulations um, so thanks yeah we we've been we had been in talks with them for a long time and they finally reached out and said, hey, let's let's discuss a partnership. And what that meant is they gave us access to all of their national park like archive photos, which is, wow. I can't even explain how yeah, remarkable no it kidding, is. It's no just kind of like, what? Uh, and we got to go through there and comb, in, comb through and really find things that we could think would work. So we developed a little collection of products. Um, they're all tied into that vintage national park photography. 
um, and we'll be launching it online in, a, in about a month here and then with REI in spring 19, which is like for us to just say that we're doing something with National Geographic, like nine, 10 people in Marina Del Rey <laughs> in a little small office, you yeah, know, yeah. like still trying to hustle that's, and pack orders. That's something. It's, a, it's a big, big deal. So every day we all just trip out. We're like, is this really a Nat Geo logo on our product? Like this is amazing. So cool, really validating, I'm totally. sure for you guys. For so sure. that's awesome. What advice do you have, Savag? What, do you, what would you give to other brands who are out I mean, a lot of brands now, too, you know, they want to make an impact and maybe their business models in that way, but they genuinely might want to do something good. Maybe for those that are just getting started, but they don't know how to build a program or something. What advice do you have for, for companies like that? I think um, I think it's kind of honing in on who your customer is. And, and I, the, the biggest lesson I've learned is to, to dive in. Like, I, I'm a person who's very big on being calculated and I've my like everything I've done in my life, I've always tried to be like, okay, I'm gonna measure this five times before I actually, you know, take the slice. And I've learned that sometimes you just gotta start cutting away because <laughs> yeah. you're just gonna spend so much time measuring that you, you waste. You could have probably cut your fourth, fifth cut by then, yeah, and maybe gotten there. So I think finding the things that you should be calculated with, you know, whether it's your messaging and your your the essence of who you are and the brand and, and the story you're trying to sell and really, you know, what it is you are um, being calculated, but then finding ways to just try different things and not being afraid to fail. Because um, we've definitely failed. We've made, you know, pop color orange baseball tees one time that we thought would be a great idea for Joshua Tree. <laughs> Nobody wears, you know, pop orange baseball neon tees. orange baseball tees. Um, hey, yeah. well, around here, we don't call them failures. We call them learning opportunities. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, and and for consumers and tourists, what message do you have for us? Um, Give us a tagline to leave with. <laughs> Pay attention to what you support. Um, I think, you know, when you're in a gift shop mentality, you're not thinking about value. You're, think, or you are, you're thinking a lot about value. What can I walk out of here with and spend the least amount on yeah. um, for this memory and I think just question that mentality and and what you know the actions that that kind of the, what it what it leads to you sure. know it leads to a world of kind of tchotchkes and what we want to do is replace those things with, with products that people love and can really share with other people yeah meaningful products so, meaningful business models yeah we vote with our dollar for sure I love it. Here's my last question for you, and this is for the students that we've got listening. Students who were in a similar spot maybe that you were in while you were at Cal State Long Beach. They're hearing this. They're inspired. They want to know how to, I mean, a lot of times people want to know, like, how do I get a job like that? How do I start a brand like yours? How do I How do I get into that mix? How do I create something with purpose and impact? Or how do I make my job look like yours? But they don't know where to start. What's your advice for young people who are just starting out in their careers, want to do something better? Um, it kind of, again, just, just go like reach out and go. Cause I'll be honest. We, our last hire was somebody that reached out to us anonymously. We weren't even, we didn't have a job description up. Our last hire was somebody who reached out and said, I love what you guys do. I think I can kick the crap out of product design. Here's stuff, here's stuff I've done before. Um, and you know, and we were all kind of looking around saying, Hey, I think we do need some help with product design. <laughs> like, so sometimes a it, cold call works. Yeah, we were like, oh, wow, okay. And then we just said, yeah, let's just have lunch with you. And then she showed up and had like amazing stuff to show us. And 
we're like, all right, let's we got to figure out how to hire this person. So I think sometimes just reaching out and yeah. realizing that everyone's just a person. If yep. you, they'll give you the time, you know, I've had people from various universities or various people just reach out and say, hey, can I just pick your brain for 20 minutes about how to do this? I'm like, absolutely. No problem. I'm like when I have 20 minutes, I'll give you that. No problem. Sure. Um, and you might get you might get ten no's, and then yeah. you finally get a yes, and then it lands you the job. Yeah, and then they're gonna say, hey, you know, I can't help you, but I know this other guy who maybe That's knows somebody that can connect. You know, and yeah. then next thing you know, you you started a network of people. So um, obviously, be kind. Hope you hope people like you, and just be <laughs> and just reach out and um, give it a shot in a genuine way. You know, and people I think will respond properly. I love that. We'll we'll we'll, leave, we'll end on be kind. <laughs> Savag, thank you. It was awesome. Uh, we'll put all the links to the Parks Project website, uh, parksproject.us, and any other initiatives you've got for us or places to send us. Um, it's been awesome, kind of hearing your story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Anything else we need to close out on? No, thanks for thanks for the time and then thanks for uh, listening and yeah, what we're doing it means a lot to us. We're putting our whole lives into it. And, well, I think we owe yeah. you the thanks too because, like you said, these are our <laughs> parks and you're out there um, doing the hard work for us. So cool, everybody out there on the Underswell Podcast, get out there, do some volunteering, see what Parks Project is up to, go support the great work that these guys are doing, and love your national parks. Get out there, explore. Be wild and um, take in some fresh air. That's got to be a nice thing to do once in a while. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Sounds amazing. Savag, thank you, man. I'll talk yeah. to you soon. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, Derek. To hear more stories like this or to learn more about our host, visit theunderswell.com.